back, everyone. This is the Bless You Boys podcast. BlessYouBoys.com is your home for all things Detroit Tigers baseball on the SB Nation platform. I'm your host, Brandon Day, and with me is my co-host, Ashley McLennan. Ashley, what's up? It's winter. It is. It's bleak, isn't it? In case in case people didn't know, I feel like any of our listeners like that are in the Midwest area in general are just about to really hate their lives. I saw <laughs> a, a weather map that was just like a whole new color of cold. It was like purple. It was like a <laughs> spectrum of purple all across the Midwest. I'm like, ooh, that's uh, and this is coming from somebody who lives in central Canada. That does not look fun. Yeah. It's like, oh, I've, I've never felt purple. It's the color. It's the color. All your extremities are going to turn if you go outside for too long. I actually, I have cold on my mind too because I was just re- reading this history of the Marines in the Chosen Reservoir during the Korean War, where it was like, you know, negative seventy degree wind chills, and you know, the Chinese and Americans are up in these freaking mountains, just dying and freezing to death. It was horrific. Horrific. Eesh. War, man. Seems like it probably sucks. Yeah, it feels like something I would never like to do. So, yeah, I'm good. I thought about joining when I was a teenager. That was my plan, and then it just seemed like, yeah, the Cold War was over. It was like eh, there was nothing going on anymore. <laughs> yeah, little did I know. But yes, I uh, I feel confident I made the right choice at that point. So um, yeah, it's we've been off for a while. I mean, we've kind of been like, well, when something big happens, we'll jump back on maybe. But uh, there hasn't been. Hasn't been a whole lot. It's been uh, been pretty quiet, not just uh, for the Tigers, but kind of all around the league. Really, it's still at this point. Yeah, it's the calm before the storm. Yeah, it's right. Maybe I don't know. Hope maybe maybe not. Maybe I'm just being hopeful. If we can dislodge these two jokers, Harper and Machado, from the clogging up the pipeline, maybe the dam will break and we'll get a little bit of action. But yeah, it's been uh, I've been kind of quiet. Um, that hasn't kind of kept bless you boys from being quiet as we've been uh, actually like busy as little beavers over there, just cranking out the content. Yeah. We got all sorts of fun stuff coming out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you've got the, the series with the statistics that's ongoing, which I am, have been slightly negligent in and I'm working on. <laughs> <laughs> we've got a new one coming out the, to today, the day this podcast comes out. Um, so there's my, what is it? My WRC, WRC plus WOBA, um, OPS plus piece, I think, is posted today. Uh, and then I'm working on a UZR and DRS piece. And I got a whole list of fun ones to to tackle. Yeah, we still got maybe like catcher defense. Um, I'm working on yeah, advanced pitching advanced stuff. Pitching. Advanced catching would be fun. I think I might tackle that one. I just unplugged my laptop. I hope it doesn't die. Hold on. <laughs> my, my MacBook um, is like a first generation MacBook Air, and I have had it since university, and I am now 35. Wow, that's impressive. Um, so it has not fallen apart on me yet. Hey, Apple, uh, if you'd like to send Ashley a, a free. <laughs> Free new laptop for her yeah. promotion if of your product. Feel free. Or if you would like to just donate to my like my stupid thing to get my stupid YouTube channel going, that would be great too. Yeah, yeah, we should, yeah we should talk about that too. Um, yeah, it's we for can me, talk I'm, about I'm, that at the end. Let's, let's okay. Let's deal with actual Tigers news, then I can um, beg you guys for money. <laughs> <laughs> we, we do try to keep that toward the end when everyone else is falling asleep and only the diehards are left in the last. Last half hour of the show. Um, yeah, as far as the stats go, I'm going to do some pitching ones. Um, I've just been I've been struggling to just like organize it because I could just take everybody down like an endless amount of rabbit holes, and I'm trying to like streamline it and kind of just just kind of walk people through it the way I think about it, the way I I go about it from uh, from FIP onward, and we'll see. So Hopefully here's that'll the work. thing. 
about Brandon, if you are listening and do not know Brandon. Um, brevity is not on his resume list of skills. <laughs> and as somebody who has had to edit Brandon's work in the past, any uh, extensive explainer that is shorter than a thousand words doesn't exist. Yeah, it is true. Yep. So I, I haven't looked at your advanced pitching thing, but I suspect it's at like 2,500 words. If it, I'm, It is over 3,000 words. No! But, um, and, and this is part one. <laughs> but but probably probably like fifteen word fifteen hundred words of it I'm gonna end up cutting out anyway because I was just like now nah, this this is all just unnecessary we'll 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 trim some of that out but yeah that kind of explains my process right there is just write until I can write no more and then figure out what I'm what I'm gonna do in there but yeah you know one of the first things Kurt mentioned um, our our former managing editor told me when I started was he's like listen you know he's like you're gonna have the impulse to to explain everything. You know, to to kind of answer any questions someone could bring up about this article, you know, before they, you know, they ask it. He's like, shut up, like, keep it simple and let, you know, and let people in the comment sections, you know, kind of kind of, you know, break it apart and leave them some kind of um, some, you know, stuff to chew on. Um, And I do try to do that, but I'm bad at it. (laughs) I'm very bad at it. It's true. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. So yeah, so that's going on, and then um, yep, we continue on with the um, the Bless You Boys top thirty Tigers prospect list, and we've been cranking out the um, the scouting reports there, and you'll see a whole bunch more of those coming up um, later in the week, and all through at least probably the next two weeks, we'll be uh, we'll be finishing that up. And starting tomorrow or Thursday, depending on when I get the initial piece done, we are also, tomorrow is Thursday when you're listening to this on Wednesday. Um, Starting Wednesday or Thursday, uh, I'll be starting a greatest Tigers teams of all time um, history kind of rundown that you guys will actually get to vote on. So that one's kind of cool. You guys can, if there's a team I haven't mentioned, like say you were a super big fan of the 1995 team for whatever reason, um, <laughs> you can voice that opinion below. I think my piece on Cecil Fielder, Fielder today made me think I should probably throw in the, the 1990 Tigers just because of that 51 home run year. Um, even though the Yankees won the World Series that year, I thought about that might be fun to include in the voting um but you know the obvious suspects will be on there with the 68 84 teams um 2006 i'm probably going to pick 2013 over 2012 for the voting because i think they had better pitching um (laughs) but yeah no um, doubt you know you guys can voice your opinions uh and there will be votes and your votes will determine which team we then feature for the subsequent day so yeah that sounds cool I'm, I'm into it. Yep, I'm into this oh. idea, and all these things, um, you know, are designed to get us the last little distance, which isn't too far now from pitchers it and catchers is, reporting. We basically a month. It is a month. It's a little left. less than a month. Ju- uh, February twelfth, pitchers and catchers report. First pitching catching workouts on the thirteenth. Um, I think full team reports on the sixteenth. Full team workout on the seventeenth. I wrote the article. I should know. <laughs> no. Yeah. The 12th is all I memorized because it's all I'm counting down for. Um, but the first televised game will be March 14th. Oh, yeah. Um, Jason Beck just posted about that today. That's cool. Well, that's the whole point of writing things down, right? Is that so then you can forget them? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I if you ask me anything from either of my degrees, I don't think I could tell you anything about cultural anthropology <laughs> at this point. <laughs> I, I can uh, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Very few dates from my actual history degree have stuck. 
So yeah, I was uh, I was shamed yesterday uh, playing trivia at the bar with a bunch of people I work with because there were just all these like questions about world capitals. And I probably could have named every single world capital 20, 25 years ago, but they're all different now. There's new countries and I, I'm, I'm a mess. So I was so mad today that, yes, I spent part of the day doing geography quizzes on some site. <laughs> I've done one of those ones where you have to try to like fill the map with European countries. And that was a nightmare and a disaster. (laughs) You run into Liechtenstein and Andorra. I'm like, I got Scandinavia down. (laughs) That's where it is. It's the Baltic states. Like I can't keep Estonia, Latvia and Lithuania straight. Which one is in order? Eastern Europe is just apologies if somebody in like Lithuania is listening, but I would never be able to find you on a map. Yeah. I could I could get in the ballpark. I'll say that much, but that's about Canada it. Canada is like the second largest landmass in the world. So <laughs> we're good. You can find us. Yep. All right. So since our last um, show, the Tigers did sign two players. Um, they picked up starting pitcher Tyson Ross and shortstop Jordy Mercer. Um, you know, these are kind of one-year, inexpensive stopgap moves. Um, did you have any particular love for either either move um, or dislike I, of either move i wrote about mercer before they signed him as a potential shortstop get so i wasn't too disappointed when they did sign him just because i'd already done some of the research he's not terribly exciting he is basically just a slightly worse jose iglesias and by slightly worse i mean like by a hair like their their slash lines were almost identical last year um they are pretty much the same player i think you're going to get a little bit more flash out of a guy like iglesias who is a lot more entertaining to watch but i don't think that mercer's going to get out there and like take a dump on the field like he's definitely skilled enough to fulfill that role um and yeah he he played in a kind of an abbreviated season he was only in 117 games last year because he kept getting injured um which is something that people who watched Iglesias are perfectly used to as well. So it's really, it's all kind of the same. Like he's, he's starting shortstop material and he is just fine. Yep. Yeah. I mean, you know, basically just not the defender Iglesias is, but still pretty much a league average type defender. And that, you know, there's a little chance, I think maybe going to Comerica park, which seems to be a really good hitting park, despite the difficulty in hitting home runs to center field. So it's possible, you know, Mercer probably won't outdo Iglesias' stat line, but he might be more consistent. Um, you know, he might just be a guy who's who's a little better at, at get, getting a hit when you need need one, getting on base a little bit more consistent consistently. But yeah, it's it's you know, it just he's is what all, it is. He's also somebody I think, and I think I mentioned this in my piece, and now I'm forgetting why. Um, he's somebody I think that could benefit from having a new perspective in a hitting coach. Um, and I think I said that because he was starting to hit more ground balls last year. And I feel like maybe I'm just making this up, but I don't think I would make that up for fun. <laughs> yeah, I think, that, I think that sounds true. Yeah. Although I'm uh, not sure the Tigers are necessarily, necessarily the place to go for good hitting instruction, but I don't know. We'll see. I guess no, we'll see. and that's true. But you know, some guys do tend to benefit from, uh, from a new perspective. Like you go to a new team and suddenly everything starts clicking. And I know the Tigers are, are fairly old school in their approach to hitting. Um, but he definitely was I'm just sorry, I'm on fan graphs trying to find the stats. Um, and of course I can't. Well, yeah. Well, well, and the other thing about him too, is that he's, you know, he's been around and he's been in the pirates organization a long time. And sometimes when you, you know, when you see a, a player who, who basically spent their entire controllable years with, with a team and Iglesias will find himself in this position as well, where all of a sudden, you know, they thought 
they were a good shortstop. You know, they thought there would be people who'd be interested yeah. in, in them. And then suddenly you have this kind of dash of cold water in the face where like, okay, people aren't interested in you and you really do need to step up your game because, you know, this is how free agency is going to be now unless you're, you know, a superstar. You know, you're going to yeah. be kind of bouncing around from team to team, you know, every year and you better get it together. So there might be a little bit of a motivating factor there. I don't know. We'll He's hitting more line drives is what it is. His line drive percentage has gone up about almost 10% um, last year. And he's become a bit more of a pull hitter in the last year from previous seasons, up to about 45% there. Um, so I'm intrigued because that's obviously a big change last year in in some of his, his patterns. So I'm curious because his home run fly ball rates have dropped considerably. Yeah. But that line drive increase is intriguing to me. Yeah, in Comerica Park where there's a little more little more grass out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Especially with the pull good. percentage going up to over forty five percent. I'm I'm intrigued. Yeah. PNC uh park isn't, you know, a particularly easy place to hit in either, um, as far as home runs, but it's also not as good a place to hit in for everything else, you know, average doubles, whatever. So yeah, yeah so that could that could work out all right. Um, at least, you know, for a year, it, it's all right. And we're at a, you know, kind of at a point where none of us really knew if the Tigers would do anything. So we're, you know, I'll, I'll take it. I didn't want to see, I didn't want to see Ronnie Rodriguez out there all year. That's, that was kind of my, the lingering fear in the back of my head is that they would just do that. So we'll see how it goes. Um, did you have any thoughts on Tyson Ross particularly? No. Okay. <laughs> I have thoughts on Tyson Ross. That's okay. You bring, on, was, bring on your Tyson Ross thoughts. I got nothing. Um, yep. Yeah. I mean, knowing. <laughs> I feel that like the, I even broke that news, and I've already <laughs> forgotten what I wrote. Well, he's kind of a weird player because, like, you know, three, four years ago, he was he was still really good. He's a guy who strikes out a lot of people. He always has kind of reminded me of Chris Archer. He's like six five, so he's a little bigger than Archer, but he's a guy who basically had a, a really good fastball and a really good slider. And kind of had some injury trouble and lost his lost some of his velocity. And he was always a guy who didn't really have like a good third pitch, and wasn't so good that the two pitches would would you know allow him to be, be like a yeah, yeah to be a better than average starter. You know he was kind of kind of had a couple years like that. But um, I, he's the guy that I wanted us to sign because I knew we wouldn't be spending much. And he's a guy who strikes out a lot of people. He had um, thoracic outlet surgery, I believe. I wrote about this too, and I can't remember if it was that or Tommy John at this point. But he, he's basically like two years removed from kind of coming back from a whole host of injuries. And he pitched really well in the in the second half. And in fact, he pitched pretty well all last year, except for like kind of one stretch of like six or seven starts, um, I think at the beginning of July, where he just got just lit into. So, you know, there, there were some positive signs there. If he's healthy um, and a little bit back to the old Tyson Ross, he could actually be really good. Um, it's kind of a Mike Fires type move, um, which worked out okay. So yeah, I was I was relatively happy with that. None of these things are sexy. The Tigers don't have any sexiness except for Nick I mean, when his shirt's unbuttoned. You know, there's not a lot. I'm going intrigued on. by his cutter. Yeah, he has started working on that. Um, yeah, it's we'll just, like we'll a high nineties. It's touch like it's a high eighties. I should say it's not a high nineties cutter. Oh my god, that would be exciting. Um, <laughs> like it's touched over ninety, but he really like got up to like sixteen percent usage on that last year. Yeah, and that gives him that little extra weapon because the the yeah. fastball has lost a little bit of velocity and doesn't really. He has some like riding life. He's a guy who's an above average spin rate guy, but um, but he doesn't tend to get a lot of horizontal movement, so it's a little little straight. So yeah, having the cutter in there puts a little wrinkle into it. Yep, yeah, it's a good thing. 
intrigued by the because uh, he looks like he's dropping his fastball usage pretty considerably and leaning more towards that cutter. Whereas in the past, he had a changeup that he kind of favored that's really dropped away. Yeah. Yeah. So there's. I like yeah, to see that changes. adaptability. That that I I like to see guys that kind of. Sw- it's like I, I look at a guy like. Um, Oh my God! Who was the tall redhead that pitched for the Rays? Cobb, Alex, Alex Cobb. Cobb. Oh yeah, yeah. Really changed his pitching approach partway through his career, and I like to see guys that do that and find new success. So I, that's why I always kind of obsessively watch the way guys change their pitching. Yeah, it is an interesting subject when when a guy has kind of come through the minors and been good, and then been good for a little while, and then kind of goes through, you know, the the whatever the ringer a little bit where they're they're injured and they're not as good anymore like some guys just kind of keep trying to find their way back and other guys recognize that it's time to go forward and and come up with something else so yeah I think that's a good sign as well um he's a guy who when he's struggled it's a lot of times been because of the long ball and putting him in Comerica Park is probably good from that perspective as well um as long as you know he's not getting the ball pulled against him too much he should be able to limit home runs a little bit more easily and just let Jacoby Jones run all over the park. Well, I don't know if we'll have Nick Castellanos. I guess we'll see what, well, Nick Castellanos and Kristen Stewart just kind of like watch in awe of Jacoby Jones's incredible Calvin Johnson like ability to go get the ball. <laughs> <laughs> At least he's got that going for him. So yeah, you know, I mean, none of these things are great, but you know, he was a guy that I, that I liked and they did add two pitchers, you know, they added Matt Moore, um, and Tyson Ross, and we've got a shortstop. Do you think that they're going to do, we'll kind of jump ahead in our itinerary here, but do you think they're going to do anything else? Do you think there's much more to come here um, while we I wait mean, for the free agent dam to kind of break around Machado and Harper? I've harped on this, and I, I really would still like to see them pick up a veteran catcher. I don't think that Grayson Griner, no offense to him, is ready to be a starting catcher. Um, I think it's so early in his tenure to just toss him in there and have him be the guy. Even if you have guys like Hicks, even if you have these backup options, even if longest of long shots, Jake Rogers is somehow ready in August. Like it's still, it's still super, it's a lot of pressure to put on a young guy like that. Um, especially one who's never been a starting catcher at the major league level. Yeah. Didn't really, didn't really have a great, minor league career with the bat like his defense is good like I think he should be good behind the plate um but yeah the the stick is going to be probably overwhelmed by major league pitching most of the year and I would just love to see somebody there for him to split that time with like I think he he was pretty much considered what our third catcher this the past season yeah I mean they kind of eventually worked him in past Hicks but yeah basically he was just kind of like the yeah after after Cabrera's injury Hicks kind of became the de facto first baseman and and then Griner became you know your your go-to guy but I oh I just I would really like to see them have somebody else in a platoon there at the very least yeah I mean Matt Wieters is still out there and that still seems like that's what I want yeah that still just seems like a pretty pretty solid idea I think Martin Maldonado is still out there as well but it just feels like he's going to be kind of outside what the Tigers want to spend, which is very, very little. So yeah, and at this point, very little is probably what you could get a guy like Matt Leaders for. As we like slowly approach, quickly approach, it's only a month to go before pet- pitchers and catchers report. You could probably get him as a steal, and mm, I just don't know what. Like, I mean, I don't know what their logic is on this. Like, I'm not asking them to put together a playoff team right now. Yeah. But I would love to see them doing things 
that indicate they're trying to at least set these guys up for future success. Yep. I mean, I was in another argument um, in our in the comment section on the podcast I did um, with Keenan Carter, the Tigers Minor League Tracker podcast, which you can find on the site as well. Um, but we were talking about that, you know, that same thing on that podcast. And I kind of, you know, some someone kind of brought it up and was sort of like, you know, I don't think the Tigers are necessarily being cheap. This is all, you know, just kind of standard practice. And I, I just... I'm just going to keep arguing with people about this because I, I just don't feel that way. I like I don't think the Tigers need to go sign Manny Machado and Bryce Harper or anything crazy like that. But, you know, one of the Spend ongoing something. themes. Yeah, at least be competitive. Because one of the ongoing themes of this offseason has been like, oh, what about this guy? Oh, he'll, he'll never come here. What about that guy? You know, he's not you know worth all that. Well, yeah, but why would he come to Detroit? And then the reason you say that is because the Tigers suck. And when you suck, you have a lot harder time exploiting the fact that there are a lot of guys out there right now who are talented and will sign one or two year deals for cheap. You know, like Yasmani yeah. Grandal signing with the Brewers for $18 oh million my God. in one Don't year. Even. And then I look at, and of course I've been watching what the Rays have been doing, but like I Abbas find that they're, Garcia. I know, but I find what they're doing very interesting. They're picking up these guys who can fit in multiple places. And they're picking them up cheap and on short contracts. And I I don't know why the Tigers aren't looking at that and going, that's a team that already won 90 games last year. And they're picking and choosing these guys that they can get relatively cheap for short-term contracts because of the way the market is right now. And they're very sneakily building themselves quite this, this little arsenal. Yeah. And it's kind of what the Dodgers, you know, and it makes sense because obviously the Dodgers front office comes from from Tampa, but the Dodgers have done the same thing just with a lot more money and ability to kind of miss on a big thing here or there. But it's getting all these guys that can play a lot of different places, lefty, righty, and yeah, and just kind of having all these options for yourself. Like you can, you know, if someone's cold, you can sit them because you've always got someone else who can play that position at least competently. And as defense kind of becomes more about, you know, like pitching to the defensive alignment and teams are getting better and better at figuring out how to shift, you know, maybe maybe to a degree some of that defense is, is being overrated as long as you're not, you know, terrible out there, you know. So, yeah, I, I you know, and the thing is the Rays, you know, the Rays have earned the right. Like when the Rays do something and I'm like, why the hell would you do that? When I, that's, you know, when it's the Rays, I think... Yeah, why the hell would you do that? Where with the Tigers, when they do something I don't understand, I think, why the hell would you do that? Right? <laughs> Which it's is like a different the Rays make you think about it. They're like, whoa, what are they doing there? Yep. As opposed to, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah, yeah. The yeah. Rays have earned it. You know, I mean, they, they've been consistently impressive in the way that they've, you know, kind of found undervalued talent, the way they develop, develop their farm system. I mean, there's just a stockpile of freaking pitching over there right now. You know, maybe they don't have a star hitter, but they've got a whole bunch of pretty solid ones um, who can play all over the field. And if they pitch well, they should be good again. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be an interesting year. That's for sure. Yeah. So, I, I mean, mean I'm just, we yeah, could like, still do you think I mean, let's just to finish this part off. Do you think the Tigers yeah. m- might pick up a, a second baseman or a reliever? Those those kind of seem to be the two I, other areas they could use some help. I, I definitely think they need a reliever. I think that's an act, that's an, a legitimate actual need <laughs> that they have. Um, they did avoid arbitration with Blaine Hardy, so he'll be back, which is a relief because they need that long, that long relief option, and he's a good left-hander. Um, but they need somebody in there on a one-year deal, even like guy that you can maybe you know flip at the break if he's been good. Like you just need, they just physically need a body in there. And I don't understand how they're 
not picking somebody up. Maybe they're just waiting. Yeah, that's see it. who's left. Like, I mean, Derek Holland just signed, what was it, Monday? Yeah. Um, but, so, then, I mean, but that's it, isn't it? Like, until, you know, until, like, some of these, you know, some of the other free agents that are out there, the bigger ones go, there's just a, a ton of guys out there who are, you know, not particularly good, but but you could use them and get them for cheap. Like, is it that they're waiting for guys like Kimbrel to sign somewhere that people are are kind of holding off on that that reliever market? Yeah, it could be. I mean, yeah, and that's what it's, you know, there's no point yelling at the Tigers for what they haven't done. It's, you know, will they do it in the next month? And I still kind of feel like like there's going to be a lot of moves available to them. And I really I really do hope that they will, because there's there's a couple second basemen still out there. Um, who aren't going to be very expensive. Marwin Gonzalez is still going to be out there, which the Tigers should do, but, but you know, seem dead set on, on doing anything even that big. So, but yeah, there's a lot of relievers out there who are good. And if you look at, you know, left-handers, okay, you've got Matt Moore, Daniel Stump, Blaine Hardy. Um, depending on how things go, maybe Moore ends up in the rotation and Norris works in the bullpen at some points. As far as lefties go, that's okay. But right-handers, you've got Shane Green and Joe Jimenez. Um, and then a bunch of guys who had some nice stretches last year, but are still, you know, really young and unproven, like Drew Verhagen and um, Victor Alcantara. You know, maybe you'll see Sandy Baez. Um, yeah. You know, there there are some arms there who I think that are interesting, but those are guys who all have options. And you know, picking up a, a good right-handed reliever to, to add into the mix and kind of take over, you know, a little <laughs> bit of like that Alex Wilson role, where it's like, okay, you you know what this guy's going to do. He's going to be steady. You can use him kind of wherever. Um, adding someone like that, I think, would be would be really good for him. And those are the guys I, that you can flip at the deadline. I agree, but there's a small part of me that worries so much that they're already counting on putting Norris in there. I don't know. I think it's just going to be a competition because, you know, Matt Moore, um, you know, he just doesn't have any kind of, like, reasonable claim to anything. Like, you know, at this point, yeah, Daniel Norris has been injured a bunch, but so has Matt Moore. Um, Daniel Norris has a lot better stuff still, so... I kind of feel like Daniel Norris actually has the edge, but it's going to depend, yeah, I think, on, on how It'll depend go. on his spring training, for sure. Maybe the Tigers will surprise us and get super creative and use both of them as openers. I, I have no idea, but I doubt that. <laughs> I doubt it. Oh. Ron Gardenhire did say he was open to the idea, but Ron Gardenhire will always say he's open to ideas that he doesn't agree with. <laughs> That's yeah. true. He didn't say he was thinking about that idea, yeah. Um, all right, well, so yeah, I mean, we, you know, it's really hard to predict. You know, the Tigers... Ha- are going to have plenty of opportunities over the next month to add a player. Um, we're coming down to the crunch again, like we did last year, where all these guys who've been waiting for three months to, to sign somewhere are, are going to be desperate. So we'll see. Hopefully, um, hopefully they take advantage of that. The other, the other big news, and this just came out the other day about the Tigers, is that they, they finally decided what they were going to do with their television um, broadcast team um, in the advent of the the Rumble in the Booth 2017 <laughs> between uh-huh. Mario Impemba and Rod Allen, um, who have both kind of put out somewhat, you know, well, I, I wouldn't say they, they really, like, argued their taste that strongly. They didn't really get into much detail, but both of them have kind of, you know, weighed in on what what happened in, in the vaguest of terms. But um, both of them are gone. Matt Shepard is going to be the play-by-play guy this year, um, and... We wish him all the best, and we wish his family especially all the best. Who, um, yeah, speedy were a, recovery. Yeah, they were in a really serious car accident about a week ago. Um, it sounds like his wife had to have a few surgeries. Um, last I heard, everyone was doing well, but um, we wish him the best um, as far as that goes before we um, take him apart as a broadcaster in the same breath. <laughs> 
but no, what do you think of uh, what do you think of the decision to um, to go with Matt Shepard and kind of switch over to? I mean, Jack Morris and Kirk Gibson have been in the booth for a while. They're going to mix in Dan Petrie. None of that is going to be unfamiliar. Um, so it really just comes down to Matt Shepard being the the real change of the wild card in the. I think. I mean, if you listened to any of the games in September last year, that was the combo you were getting. Um, it was the Shepard Gibby or Shepard plus, you know, color commentary um, kind of dream team. I don't mind Shep. I know some people were not big fans of his. He's got a, a fairly like straightforward, some might call it boring presentation. Um, I don't mind him, but also he, I think at one point in an early broadcast I listened to, advocated for Bill Freehan in the Hall of Fame. Um, <laughs> Which endeared him endeared him immediately to you. Yeah. So immediately he was my guy. So, I mean, I, I think he's he's obviously very aware of the, the team and the sport, and he's a smart guy, and he'll do a great job. He's not going to get in there and gonna, like make things up. I think he was primarily a football guy last year, wasn't he? You know, I honestly don't even know. I know he's he's been in broadcasting a really long time and has done a lot of a lot of different things, kind of at a, at the lower level. But um, yeah, I I really don't know. But I do know that yeah, he's kind of been an all sport type guy who's who's kind of been around for a long time and has never kind of hit that that one big job where you can settle yeah. in and be like, okay, this is this is the job from you know that's gonna make kind of make or break my career. So this is this big we- opportunity, obviously. He'll be knowledgeable. He'll be professional. I don't think you're going to get a ton of humor with Shepard. That's what I've kind of gotten out of the existing broadcasts. That's like, it's very like, oh, you don't say. And then on to like stats. Um, Yeah, I think, yeah, before we try to say too much, though, I mean, we do have to recognize that he wasn't, you know, he kind of got thrown into the job in really weird circumstances. He'd never done it before. So I do think um, there's a chance that, that he'll surprise people and be better this year because yeah, I mean, you know, it's not like I didn't like his voice or his delivery so much, but he seemed like tight, you know, like there wasn't that much sort of flow and interplay between him and the color guy. It seemed like he was still kind of fumbling for sort of his own sort of style and terminology, which is perfectly natural. Really. My only complaint was that I, he, he felt very old school to me. Like he was the type of guy who would agree with, you know, Rod Allen's perspectives on all kinds of things. Oh, yeah, like StatCast is dumb and that sort of thing. Yeah, some of of that. So we'll just see, you know, hopefully hopefully he can get up to speed. It's not a momentous decision. You know, you can always just turn Dan Dickerson on and watch the game with, you know, with 97.1 or whatever you listen to. (sighs) I was so hoping we would get an actual Dan. I thought they were going to hunt around out. Well, I know that they, they, at least they supposedly did from some of my, my sources. Um, but they didn't really seem to find anybody who was more experienced at, at kind of like handling the whole broadcast. So yeah, I mean, I didn't really expect it to come. I actually thought they were going to go another direction. Um, but it's, you know, if I really think like, is this going to impact my enjoyment of the Tigers that much? Probably not because you know, I don't know how much enjoyment the Tigers are going to give us either way. But just the simple fact of having baseball back will be more than enough, whatever happens, and seeing some of the young guys this year. So there are there is a lot more to look forward to, I think, from the Tigers this year um, in terms of seeing some of the young guys come up and, you know, getting a little bit more of a feel for how the, you know, the effort to turn things around here. I, I, I just like refusing to even use the word rebuild anymore. I'm so sick of that goddamn word. Well, <laughs> rebuild at this point would imply they're actually doing anything to build a team for the future. I know. Aside from sucking terribly and then 
picking up a pitcher. I know. I just get. I've just. I've just really had it. You know, like rebuild just feels like a term that people think means something specific when really all it means is that you're bad. You know, you're yeah. bad. Maybe you're rebuilding. You know, maybe you are, or maybe you're spinning your wheels like most of the teams that say they're rebuilding and and never getting anywhere. Um, I think when sometimes when people say, "Hey, we're doing a we're in the rebuild mode," it's like, well, it's going to work out like the other teams that rebuilt. You know, like the Cubs and the and the Astros, as opposed to the Phillies who have rebuilt numbers of times, and the Rangers who keep rebuilding and not not getting anywhere. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm just a little little frustrated. I think on that a front. rebuild also has to start from the top, right? Like for a rebuild to have any kind of actual success, you need the kind of leadership in that club that's going to do something kind of new or kind of risky. And I'm not seeing any newness or any risk taking place with the Tigers. Yeah, and that's it. You know, there's no um, you know, we can we can use the term rebuild, but it's not, you know, there's no like manual like how do you how do you rebuild? There's not, you know, there's nothing like that. Re- when you say rebuild, all it, all it means is that the team is bad and not good yet. You know, that that's really all it means and we can hope that the Tigers, you know, can uh, can learn some lessons from other teams, but when you look back at the Astros and the Cubs, like the situations were just totally different. The markets were totally different. I I you know, I've looked at them as well just to kind of see how how they managed to make it happen, but the circumstances are just really different, and the Tigers are a very different and much more old school organization. So yeah, there's no Theo Epstein in the Tigers' quote unquote rebuild. So. No, nope, there's no no Sig Maydahl and Jeff Lunau. So yeah, we'll just kind of have to see uh, how it goes. Um, the la- you know the last part about like the Tigers' roster as we kind of aim towards spring training is Nicholas Castellanos and. We know that the Tigers have been shopping him like fairly aggressively, but based on reports, they've also kind of been holding out for you know a good return. However, you know whatever that is that the, you know they view as a good return. Do you still do you feel like Nick is going to be gone? Do you think they are so aggressive about it right now that they just they would kind of like to get rid of the ten million that he just got uh, they agreed to in arbitration nine point nine five million to be specific. Such a stupid number. Um, yeah, I think. I don't know that anybody's going to want to pay the Tigers what they want for him, to be 100% honest. I think it's very much going to be like the situation we had with uh, Fulmer last year, where it was talk, talk, talk about how people were super interested in him, and then nothing happened. Um, I think we're, we're pretty much at that same point, and at this point I'm almost wishing the Tigers had traded Michael Fulmer when they had the chance. Um, but I digress. I, I think they should have extended Nick is what I think. Cause I don't think, I think he's going to get real sucker punched by this, this free agent nonsense next year. Um, or when he does the next year he hits free agency. Yep. He does. Yeah. And it, and I think, it is. And it is important that he has to, he has to be able to get a $50 million contract for the Tigers to be able to extend the qualifying offer, have him decline it and get, I think it'd be like, you know, depending on where things end up, something like the 30th to the 40th pick, we'll have a pick somewhere in there, which is super valuable, pretty darn valuable. But um, yeah, those always those 40th round picks definitely pan out. No, no, if not 40th round, like the 40th overall. pick. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so like, almost a first round pick still, you know, like that's a, that's a nice pick. That's a, that'd be a nice pick for a rebuilding team to get. But like you say, I it's it's just really hard to judge anymore. Um, you know, what guys are going to get even Nick at 27 with a pretty good history as a hitter. Um, but without a defensive home, it's just like, yeah, I, I just don't know. I don't know he's, if anybody's going to pay him 50 million to be a DH for four or five yeah. years. 
he's an abysmal hitter. No, no doubt a hitter. Sorry, he's an abysmal fielder. Um, like I think last time I checked, he had like a minus twelve something DRS last season. Yeah, I think he checked in as the worst or second worst defensive outfielder in the game by a couple different metrics. Yeah, unfortunately, he, he might be better this year, but probably not by a whole lot. Yeah, I mean the defense. Oh shit! What did I just do? Sorry. <laughs> I, yeah, um, yeah. His defense has never been his his real forte. Yeah, and it does limit. It's you know it does limit the market for him. You know it's it's harder to see an, a National League team thinking like, well, we're gonna have this guy, you know, in the outfield part of the time, you know, and you know whatever using him as a pinch hitter part of the time, and you know, I, you know, it's it's hard to imagine paying a guy that you that you have to view that way very much. So that does really limit the teams. I, I really thought like the Astros were a perfect fit, but um, I don't know. They signed Michael Brantley to play left field. Um, they still got Reddick and right, and they've got Kyle Tucker, who is one of the best prospects in the game, coming to play right field and probably take that job from Mr. Reddick. So they're kind of out of out of contention, and there aren't a whole lot of other teams that you know, like the Red Sox don't need a DH. Um, you know, seems like Nick on the Rays would make some sense too, but. Right, um, they don't need a DH with like. Yeah, they don't really need him, and yeah. he's not versatile ex- except for the fact that he could probably play a bunch of different places, you know, really badly. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> he could he could fill some thing. some needs poorly. Yeah, I you know I mean I like that the idea. I guess the way I would put it is that if the Tigers can get like a what we would you know a fifty future value type prospect, like a a guy who's like just inside the top one hundred, maybe somewhere right around there. I would do it, but otherwise, I just I just don't see the point. Um, you know, the Tigers are pretty well stacked as far as like depth in the farm system. You know, it's it's the the really good prospects where we could still use you know two or three more really good position prospects, and I I just can't see us getting them from uh, from trading Nick. So I would prefer there at this point, yeah, they just hang on to him. You know, see how yeah. the season goes, and if you know if we can't get that pick, you know, that's the way it goes. Maybe the Tigers end up you know come into some negotiation with him after the season when he sees kind of what's going to happen out there and maybe they end up deciding to sign him long term. I, I don't really know, but I don't see a whole lot of point in just trading him for, you know, a couple okay fringe type guys and saving their $10 million and giving us, you know, an offense that is led by, you know, a rookie and Kristen Stewart and whatever Miguel has left. Um, that, that could be a tough watch. Under that scenario, it's possible the Tigers could be could be worse than last year um Oof. yeah it, that's still yeah. a possibility i could also what, see <laughs> what a delightful prospect well we and all right so our, as our next next topic um you know the free agent market is still seeming you know completely broken um you know we're hearing that the phillies and the white Sox are both in on manny machado and the phillies and the nationals seem to be the two teams in on bryce harper so maybe this is finally coming to a conclusion but one way or the other um you know, the trend that we saw really break out last year has, has obviously continued this year and, and doesn't seem likely to be stopped until, um, you know, we, we come to the, the fork in the road at the next collective bargaining agreement and see if, you know, the, the owners, you know, are willing to make some changes and, and willing to give a little bit after, you know, kind of having their way for five years um, or whether or not the players are going to have to take a, a, a stand that could lead to a strike. Um, any any particular... Uh, any sense of how things are going in free agency or is this just kind of just more of the same and this is where we are now? I think we're definitely on the cusp of a pretty ugly future. Um, 
I really don't like what I'm seeing in these free agent markets. And and yes, one could argue that it was like a bubble meant to burst and that guys were making too much money. And at a certain point, teams just wouldn't want to pay $400 million for a player. And I think there's a lot of fairness in that. But at the same time, <laughs> I mean, you got to pay the guys if they're going to play for your team. And there's going to come a point where nobody's going to want to play if nobody's going to want to pay. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's, it's, you know, and it's just a hard argument to make um, in an industry where profits are, you know, booming really, and look like they're going to get even better. I mean, there's a whole host of new opportunities opening up to the league and owners based on, um, you know, the rise of sports, legalized sports gambling across the country. You know, there's going to be a whole lot of um, arrangements between the league and, you know, they've already, I think, have something set up with MGM, some of these things are going to happen that are, you know, providing even more new revenue sources to the game. Um, and, you know, when you're making a lot more money and you're depressing wages at the same time, you know, you're just, that's just the way, you know, that's just basic labor law. You're like, you're, you know, you're going to end up in a fight at some point. That's just the way it goes. Um, do you have any thoughts on like some of the solutions that, that, that have been out there? Have you been paying any attention to some of the things that have been floated? Like, you know, ending, like making everybody a super two basically, or, you know, and, and, or kind of like eliminating a year of arbitration. Like some of those ideas I see out there, there's still the idea of like, okay, maybe you, you put a salary floor in place so that all teams have to spend, you know, whatever, 90 million or something, um, you know, to, to, to not be fined or taxed in some way. Any, any of these things work? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what the solution is. Ugh, like you can say, stop being cheap. That's a great solution. Um, but then, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. And, the, you know, and, and what we're already seeing too, and I've already been in these arguments is that, you know, as much as fans, I think maybe a little more than they did back before the strike in the nineties, realize that the owners are making absolute bank here without, you know, without really any of the kind of risk that one would associate with a normal industry. This is not a normal industry and, and the comparisons to other industries don't really make a whole lot of sense. Like baseball's its own thing. It's a money-making machine. Um, you know, it's exempted from antitrust, you know, it's exempt or what was the other thing they did last year? They, um, they, you know, they got minor league players exempted from, from the usual labor law standards. Um, Which is, oh, such bullshit. I get so mad about that. Yeah. So when, you know, so when people kind of come in like, oh, you know, you, you know, you're bringing politics into baseball, Somebody said this not too long ago. I can't remember who it was, but it was like, you know, you're, you know, you're, the players are, you know, getting all political, but it's because the owners have brought politics into baseball and they've done it for yeah. years and, and that's the way it's going to go. So yeah, I don't really know. You know, the league has hired some actual really supposedly high level labor lawyers this time, which they didn't do last time, which is a absolute kind of fiasco on their part. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's just kind of hard to know because you're already seeing people come out with the, oh, the, you know, these millionaires, you know, are talking about how they're not getting paid enough. And that's, that's just something that the players are always going to run into, even the, even with the fact that the owners are all billionaires, you know, no one wants to hear a guy making 500, you know, whatever, whatever it is, even 500,000, the league minimum really complaining about their salary. And so if I had one piece of advice to the players, it would be to adopt the, the cause of the minor league players as part of everything they push for. Yeah. And that's what to, makes to me kind wonder of get too, a little like... bit of, um, you know, public relations and to kind of get, you know, the public and the fan bases in general on their side, because that's a case that is very, very easily made that they're, you know, drastically underpaid. They've, you know, had government protections removed from them um, through the lobbying of the league. And if they could kind of tie those two things together, 
I, it seems like they, they would have the, pub, the public relations upper hand to me to some degree, but I don't know if they're going to do that or not. Sean Doolittle would do it. Sean Doolittle would do it. Yeah, part of me wonders if the, like, if the guys who are supposed to be making these millions will start recognizing more how much it sucks to not get paid. And part of me wonders where the empathy for those minor leaguers, like these guys were all minor leaguers. Like, why don't they want to push for minor league guys to get a fair wage? Yep. I would love to see them, you know, bring all those guys into the union. I mean, you know, you can make a good argument there, you know, like, yeah, why aren't they sympathetic? But even just from a cold, hard, like PR perspective, like, you know, if if they can get some stuff for the minor leaguers and and kind of use them in their cause, that's that's just a smart move to to kind of get a little bit more leverage mm-hmm. against the owners, where it doesn't look like it's just you know like yeah guys with these huge contracts, even though most major league players don't really make the kind of money that people tend to think they make. Um, you know they they would have that on their side a little bit more. So yeah, I don't know. I'm not uh, I'm not qualified to give much advice on that subject to anybody. But uh, yeah, that's what I I would suggest to them certainly is to kind of try to go that route and tie it all together a little bit. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, they could. I've I've read this. I, you know, Emily Walden, our friend from the Athletic, um, is really kind of an advocate on this subject as well, and she's. Um, she posted something not too long ago, and it was basically like you could double all the, you know, every salary in the minor leagues, and it would only cost the league like, I don't know what it was, like twelve million dollars. Yeah, something's to be like twelve or fifteen million. It's nothing. It's like if each team put in a million bucks, it would change the lives of all their minor league players. Yeah, they would all become kind of like lower middle class people rather than you know like these sort of like wage slaves who are working you know eighty hour you know weeks and. uh yeah, and and making you know, literally nothing. Yeah, like twelve hundred, fifteen hundred a month. A lot of them um, yeah. before taxes, it, before yeah. the agent, before the equipment. You know, before like yeah, the sending money home. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I don't know. Um, it, it's it's probably going to be an ugly couple of years, and you know, and it's just going to annoy everybody. You know, this is the thing I I wish the owners understood better is that this is going to be a subject that no one can avoid writing about because it comes up into everything, and they they're the ones who've made it that way. Um, and it's just going to be kind of frustrating and off-putting for a lot of people who, you know, I just want to enjoy some baseball and mm-hmm. you know take my kids out a couple times a year to the to the ballpark and you know watch games at night and not have to think about like you know, yeah, exactly the uh, the economic kind of incentives and punishments that are involved everywhere in the game and all that kind of thing. So we're not yeah. going to be able to avoid it. So if you're out there and you're like, oh, my God, I'm so sick of hearing about this. I'm kind of sick of talking about it, but we're going to just kind of have to keep talking about it because it's going to come up over and over again. Um, Also, I think Emily is actually working on a piece for people impacted by minor league play. So if you happen to be a wife or girlfriend or parent or relative of somebody or a player who is willing to speak even off the record, um, Emily Walden is on Twitter and I believe looking for people to give her um, kind of their insights yeah, um, on like a piece that I think will be very interesting. Yeah, just kind of like what's what is life like on those kind of salaries, and and how does it compare to what's expected of them by the team? Because the teams keep arguing like like oh, you know, most of the stuff that the players do is voluntary, but which is just absolute bullshit. Like if you're you know <laughs> yeah. if you're not working your tail off, the team will, will cut you, <laughs> you know, unceremoniously. Like if you're not putting in oh, all yeah. that extra time. And she is Emily C. Walden on Twitter. And of course, my stupid Netflix just started playing and gave me a goddamn heart attack. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so 
Emily C. Walden on Twitter. So if you have anything for her, just send her a message, give her a follow. Um, she will absolutely handle your anonymity. She's a true professional through and through. So absolutely. So yeah, you know, if if you have a if you have a story or in some some insight there, please pass that along because um, yeah, those stories are going to be a big big part of kind of the, the the exposure that's that's coming for you know what what goes on at the minor league level and what life is like for them. So. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, all right. I've got I've got one more topic really before we get into listener questions, and this is just how close do you think the Tigers could get to being a 500 team if they just spent another 25 million dollars? Uh, my buddy Raphael on on Twitter kind of <laughs> asked me like, you know, what what do you think? You know, because we keep talking about like what is a reasonable expectation for Chris Illich to put into this team at this point? And for me, you know, it's it's something like 130. 140 million like that that would be reasonable if he would just go out and um you know drop another 25 million maybe 30 million get yourself a legit second baseman and catcher and hopefully you know a pair of actual good relievers because there are a ton of of solid to really good relievers out there i mean the tigers could pick up cody allen and justin wilson if they wanted to um they could go better than that if they wanted as well there's there's plenty of guys available do you think that that a couple moves like that could get the tigers to 500 I, you know what, I'm, I, I'm curious about it just because I look at what a lot of the other teams in the American League have been doing this offseason. I could not begin to tell you what the Indians' plan is because they seem to be giving up, but also not. Like, it, it's a very perplexing dance the Indians are playing right now. And to me, it seems like they've given up on on winning the league, on winning the league, the division at least. You well, know what I, I mean? Well, maybe not the division, but yeah, it's hard to see them like doing anything to look like they're going to win a World Series. It seems like they're kind of like, well, we could probably still outlast the, the Twins with what we've got, but we're not going to go much harder toward trying to win a World Series right now, yeah. which is peculiar, a little peculiar. To me, I, I'm, I'm watching the Twins. The Twins are interesting, and the White Sox are super interesting this offseason. Especially if the um, White Sox come out and sign Manny Machado, in which well, case exactly, I will, will want to choke Chris Illich at that point. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, look I what mean, you just let happen. Yeah, they're going to be really interesting to watch. The Twins especially, I think, because they're really filling out their infield quite quite intriguingly. And they've made a couple pitching signs that are, I, I find, I, the Twins are going to be one to watch. I don't, yeah. I feel like if you yeah. added $30 million of payroll to the Tigers, they would be in that discussion too. Especially if, it, if, say, like the Rays front office spent that $30 million. <laughs> you know what the would Rays have been front office could get us there, the, yeah. I mean, if you want the Tigers to make moves, I know we're moving McKay Cabrera to DH, but like, what did the uh, Twins pick up Nelson Cruz for? Eighteen million or something stupid like that? Like, you could have actually had a Tiger killer on your roster, as opposed to letting him go to a division rival. Um, that would have been cool. I mean, not, Nelson Cruz had no place in the Tigers lineup. They already have a, a whole plethora of DHs and DH candidates with, you know, Castellanos and Stewart and, and everybody who's destined to be DHing. Plus, Miggy's going to be there most of the season. Yeah, but there would be uh, options to yeah pick up a, a first baseman if, if they had just kind of moved on from Hicks or, you know, yeah, just could have like, gone for a bigger bat maybe. Miguel Cabrera permanently in a DH role. Find yourself a decent first baseman. Find yourself a second baseman. Get yourself another catcher. Get two relievers. Bam! You actually have a team that could theoretically make five hundred. Yeah, I mean, I understand people out there like all oh, the Tigers couldn't wouldn't be a five. You're not going to win eighty one games just because you signed you know whoever it is you know uh, 
I don't know. <laughs> There's probably some truth to that. I mean, yeah, it's I not, can't even come up with. It's not a well. It's, it wouldn't be a lock. I mean, like okay, let's say they sign Matt Weeders and you know they pick up Cody Allen as a right-handed reliever and they don't go crazy and and spend on the big guys. But yeah, like okay, Justin Wilson or something like that. And then yeah, and then you add like you know just another low-tier second baseman like Josh Harrison. Well, Neil what did Walker. Ian Kinsler sign for for second base to go to San Diego? Um, it wasn't very much. I mean, it was like two years and maybe ten or twelve million dollars, I believe. Something yeah, like, like that. nothing wasn't very crazy. Much. Who else yeah. is a free? Who are a free agent first baseman right now? Um, you got it, like a Steve Pierce who was really good last year with the with, but he signed with Boston. So never yeah, mind. yeah, they brought him back. Actually, Kinsler was only um, only at four million a year, so it was only eight. Uh, I mean, you've got what Wilmer Flores is still out there, Lucas Duda. Those are your guys who are at least like replacement level. And you could, and really, I mean, at that point, you might as well, you could just play Nico Goodrum at first base more. Because um, what I think all of us would like to still see Nico Goodrum get plenty of at bats next year to see if he can kind of take another step forward. It just feels like the Tigers don't believe he can play second Josh base every Harrison day. Harrison would have been an interesting pickup for second base. Yeah, I agree. I, I, that's the one I, I, I would prefer personally. But, um, but yeah, there, so, you know, there's options. And, like Matt Weeders, one of those guys at second, two relievers. Like that's probably like three wins, maybe four if you if you do it right. So and that probably only gets you to like seventy two, seventy three, something like that. But the point is, if you can get to that point, you know those are all projections, and you know projections don't add up to reality hardly ever. And I think we've kind of gotten to the point where analysis of the game has gotten so good that people have are almost convinced that you can predict what's going to happen. And it's become a self-fulfilling prophecy because all these teams now have an excuse to just be terrible. And as a result, the teams that are already good look even better because they're playing garbage teams. And it's, it's really throwing the parody, I think, off in the game. And really, um, you know, it's overall, it just, to me, it's a betrayal sort of of the competitive spirit of the game that's supposed mm-hmm. to drive it where you just have, you know, I mean, you know, they're, the Red Sox last year were a really good team, but, you know, watching them during the year, I didn't think of this as, like, a legendary, like, oh, this is an all-time great, you know, lineup, and all-time great pitching staff. Not at all. And no. yet they just mauled everybody, and a lot of it is because, you know, most of these teams just aren't even trying. Um, and, yeah, I don't know. It just really, you know, it, it really kind of becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy, and it really kind of, you know, just degrades the integrity of the game, um, you know, from my perspective, at least. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm very disenchanted. I'm disenchanted with the situation. <laughs> but I think if the Tigers could just get themselves to like 74, 75 wins, that's fine. Um, maybe yeah, if things go well. That's a watchable well, team. Exactly. And if things go well and Daniel Norris actually, you know, stays healthy and pitches in the rotation and maybe Fulmer or Boyd takes that little step and maybe Jamie Candelario takes a step. These are all ifs, certainly. And you can't pile together five ifs and, and you know, build expectations on it. But the Tigers, you know, certainly would have the at least the, the possibility that if they played a little above their heads, you've got a solid team. And then you just never know. You get to the deadline. You know, all these other teams are taking advantage of the fact that there just aren't very many buyers and sellers at the deadline these days to, you know, pay very low prices and prospects for a good player. And the Tigers have plenty, plenty of like mid-grade decent prospects to, to throw in, um, you know, like the Diamondbacks did for J.D. Martinez. And then it's us taking advantage of the market instead of yeah. being taken advantage. Um, and I would just like to get back on that side of it as fast as possible. And it just doesn't seem like there's really any intensity from the Tigers' side to, to just get to 
to get to that place where then you can just see, okay, now we're just going to chill and let the prospects roll in and they should carry us most of the rest of the way. And if they don't, okay, we have to rethink, but you got to at least get to that point. Cause right now, you know, the Tigers are just one of the, one of the teams getting stepped on, um, getting abused in deals because they have no leverage. You know, it's, yeah, it's just an ugly spot. No one wants to come here and, and be the, you know, give you the option of signing them cheap because, you know, they've played for 10 years now and they just really want to win. You don't get that benefit. Um, all those benefits are, are just lost on the, t- the Tigers at this point. And it frustrates me. No, I agree. I feel like two years ago when we talked, we talked about starting this, the rebuild, I was like, there's hope. And now I'm like, oh, do something. Just do something. Yeah, do some things. Like, try some things. Like, you know, like we haven't even traded any prospects away for a player yet. Um, and I know some people who, you know, are kind of thinking like, well, you know, we're trying to build the farm system. Why would you do that? But the fact is, like, most prospects don't work out. Um, you know, most prox- prospects that get traded to other teams for good players don't work out. And we have plenty of those guys. Um, if we could turn one of those, you know, a couple of those players even into, you know, someone useful right now, like a real player, I'm I'm all for trying to do a few things like that because we're already reaching the point where there's a roster crunch coming in the minor leagues where you can only keep so many guys on the 40. Um, you've only got so many spots and the Tigers have like, 12 starting pitcher candidates who probably should be at Erie and Toledo both this year. Um, some guys are going to end up getting converted to relief as a result. And you just can't stockpile um, guys for forever. At some point you need to try to like take two and turn them into someone better and, and kind of, you know, make, make for a little bit more of a quality system rather than a quantity. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, as far as pitching goes, we're in, we're in great shape and I, I like being set in pitching because pitching, I don't want to pay for, I want to pay for free agent, position players because they're more trustworthy but yeah so overall like you know that part of the theory is sound but man there's it's just such an apathetic first you know year and a half (laughs) it's just been not a whole lot of excitement not a whole lot of uh creativity not a whole lot of risk-taking um yeah and it's it's frustrating i don't know yeah i feel like they're waiting for something and i just don't know what that is yeah, I mean, that's and that's the thing is they haven't made it very clear. You know, like they keep talking about, you know, there's no payroll limitations. And at at, at some point, you know, when, when we've built that solid core, whatever that means, you know, then we can spend. But, you know, is that 2023? I mean, are they going to wait until they're winning the division to try to add that last piece? Or are they actually talking about spending, you know, to, to kind of speed this thing up and, you know, take a 500 team, hopefully in a year or two to the mountaintop? So I don't know. There's no way to predict. Yeah. It's depressing. It is a little depressing for sure. Um, It's, it's more depressing to have to think about like when there's baseball being played, it's much easier. (laughs) And I'll probably watch a lot. I'll be watching Erie and Toledo quite a bit this year as well, which is normal for me. It's not like I'm abandoning the Tigers. I, you know, I cover the minor leagues for us on a nightly basis. So I do a lot of that anyway, but uh, I'm definitely going to kind of lean toward the minor leagues again this year for solace. <laughs> I can I can feel it. Um, Makes. Yeah. <laughs> At least there's something good to watch there. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right. Let's try to knock out a couple listener questions. Um, we did, we kind of did uh, Raphael's question about like, what was it? Like, what do you think the Tigers should spend? Like, what would be a fair payroll expectation? And for me, yeah, it's like 130 135 million like league average payroll i think is 175 180 um the other thing too is that as um, jason beck reported about a month ago the tigers should be a revenue revenue sharing team this year 
Oh. And I don't know how much that's that that they're going to get, but I do know the Rays have gotten thirty or forty million um, in revenue sharing money on a couple mm-hmm. occasions. Maybe the Tigers won't be that low, but so whatever you feel about um, you know Chris Illich's payroll, it's probably a lot less than it's actually going to look like on paper as a result of that as well, because the other owners are all going to chip in to field this this beautiful thing that we will watch for 162 games yeah and obsess about and be in love with because that's just the way it goes i can only be objective now like once the season starts i'll be like drooling over nick and everybody else and like oh you know maybe this is gonna work out (laughs) turn right back into a fan it's it's harder to be an analyst like in the first two months of the season when you're all dreamy-eyed still um let's see we had one more question oh yeah field diamond my man on twitter predict the next year that the tigers will play meaningful games in september with an eye to making the playoffs you know what had you asked me a year and a half ago i would have said 2020 and somebody actually replied to that tweet of ours and said 2022 and i 100 percent agree with that yeah adam perez yeah you know that sounds about right to me honestly i i'm almost God, I almost am tempted to say longer because my faith in the front office and the coaching staff is is yeah. Twenty twenty two is now my optimistic outlook. <laughs> yeah, I'll you know what I'll 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 be a little more optimistic. I'll say twenty twenty one. They'll play meaningful games in September because I do feel like it's not super hard to get back to the point where you're like a a solid team. Like I don't think the Tigers front office are idiots. I just don't think they're cutting edge. Um, there's those, you know, handful of teams that are just just beyond everybody, and everybody else is trying to catch up. I think the Tigers will have them in decent shape by 2020, 21, to where okay, this team doesn't need too much more to at least contend for the division. Um, it's just really hard to. Pre- I just don't know how to predict Chris Illich at this point. I, I just have yeah. no idea. Um, if he's willing to pick up, you know, a really good free agent at that point and, you know, spend the money a little bit for some relief help or whatever else there is that they need, I could see them being competitive by 21. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I'll, I'll say that just to be optimistic for now. And then, um, I'll let uh, Mark Garage and everybody else tell me I'm being a moron. <laughs> what a sap day. Come on. You know, this isn't going to work out. Avila be realistic. These guys are garbage. Um, okay, let's go over to Facebook because I asked there as well. Um, now that Nick Oy. has signed to an arbitration contract, ha- has LA had any interest, and is there a chance of a trade for uh, for Ver- Verdugo or Lux? No, um, those prospects are just too good. Like you- you're just not going to get anyone to trade guys like that anymore, um, even for a really good prospect um, or a really good. I'm sorry, a really good player. And Nick just isn't. You know, it's one year of. You know, a, a really nice hitter who, you know, you, you have to kind of figure out a way to, to fudge it with him in the field. Um, you know, I I was thinking about this today because it was back in like 2014, I think, when the Athletics traded Addison Russell, ugh, that yeah. guy, who uh, at the time, though, was, you know, a really young up and coming shortstop and I think was the best shortstop prospect in the game. And they traded him for like Jeff Samarja and another kind of back end starter. Um, you know, can you imagine like the Padres trading Fernando Tatis Jr. for Matt Boyd? Because that's the equivalent. And <laughs> that kind of thing just isn't going to happen anymore. So, yeah, they've kind of gotten wise to those level of trades. You'd get like a double A guy probably for Nick. 
and they would probably take your money but uh yeah i I think if they took your money yeah that's that's it like the only other way is to pay most of his salary and hope to get a little better guy but um one thing I would say about that, though, is I would like to get Alex Verdugo or someone of that ilk, and I would be all for Alavila thinking about, like, Matt Boyd and Shane Green, you mm-hmm. know, maybe even Kristen Stewart, because I don't really know long-term, like, what we're going to do I with mean, Kristen Stewart if Stewart's he can't a play the outfield DH. that well. That's, yeah. that's all he's got for him. So, yes, incredible bat, but, yeah, where does he go in the future? Yeah. One way or the other, if I was going to tell someone who didn't really know, like, what the crux of the Tigers rebuilding effort is going to be it's they have at some point they're going to have to make a trade for a really good position player um that has to happen uh, and then you know you look at the draft this year where they're going to be picking fifth they need to, they need to hit there and they need someone to come along in the farm system who we're not totally expecting like maybe Wenzel Perez or Cody Clemens who we both of whom we like but they're mm-hmm. going to need someone to be like a star or a borderline star so yeah somewhere along the way they've got to figure out a way to make that trade um and I don't know, maybe it'll take um, Joe Jimenez, um, which is probably going to upset some people. But Joe Jimenez might be, you know, give or take, the most valuable trade ship we have if he gets off to a really hot start. They're going to be teams really, really interested in, in getting a, a power reliever like that um, heading toward the playoffs. So there's there's probably a little more pain ahead of us um, as far as having to trade away someone we don't want to trade away. But they have just got to find a way to get a really good hitting middle infielder and another big bat somewhere somewhere in there. And if they can do that, I love the pitching that's coming. And I actually think, you know, by 21, um, things will look much, much brighter. It may not work out that way, but I bet, I'll say this, by 2021, I bet people will be like, overflowing with perhaps misplaced like rabid optimism that this is the year we're coming back now (laughs) because it's gonna look good there's gonna be a lot of good looking pitchers and you know there'll be some interesting prospects you know Daz and Isaac Paredes and Jake Rogers will be there um yeah and maybe you'll see a few others hopefully uh hopefully we'll we'll find another diamond in the rough there um the next yeah I'm sorry the next question um are the Cleveland Indians a good model for the Tigers rebuild I looked up the Indians prospect list in 2012 and all their current studs were in the low minors all these pitching prospects um Lindor was their best prospect but even his minor league stats didn't approach the player that he became do we mirror the 2012 Indians in any way I would say to agree degree yes because we're we're heavily invested in pitching um but it's really hard to like model it's just really hard to model on anything um in baseball um you know people were trying to make comparisons to like basketball and like, Hey, if you were in this situation in basketball, would you tell the owner to go spend a lot of money? Like basketball has nothing to do with this. There's like 10 players in the entire game who basically decide what happens every year. Um, it, it just doesn't, doesn't really equate very well. Uh, and you can, you can get in a lot of trouble thinking like, I'm going to do things exactly the way this, this team or that team did. Um, cause circumstances and opportunities will be different. So, I mean, kind of from the, the standpoint that, yeah, like we're, we're heavily pitching based, I guess there, there are some similarities there, but um, I'd feel a lot better about everything if we had uh, Frankie Lindor in our farm system. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Maybe, maybe Wenzel Perez will, will get to that point, but um, I, I don't quite see the, the power ever catching up to Lindor levels. So, um, no, yeah. You never know. He's 19. You never know. Maybe he eats his Wheaties and pumps some <laughs> magic juice and a lot of iron and you never know. Maybe. Um, and finally, Joe Dexter. Okay. I, I didn't see this, but this is kind of funny. FSD officials announced today that they have some tricks up their sleeves as part of their broadcast that have never been part of their broadcast before. 
Um, could you have some fun pontificating on what those tricks could be? <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't know. Oh. Like maybe they've got a whole bunch of more like pick the stick type games. Like... Maybe or like maybe they'll be like doing more stat casty type stuff over the broadcast. I think maybe um, that's most likely. Is that yeah? There's more stat stuff that they've got planned or their visuals. Yeah. Yeah, like some fun explainers, maybe. I don't know. It's hard to say with their idea of like a fun. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I like I like what our buddy Cam Kaiser, who writes for us, um, suggested the other day, which is that they should have just kept Rod and Mario and just locked the booth when the game starts. And then, you know, it's just a ticking time bomb. And, you know, they're calling the game and you're paying attention to that part, but you're always listening in the background to that those weird silences or well, what was that noise? And, you know, maybe a scuffle breaks out at some point, you know, during the game. <laughs> you just don't know. And then we can just take bets on that as well. Amazing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. You know, FSD, uh, you know, I, 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 that's a weird topic too. Cause you know, we're still kind of waiting to hear like what happens with FSD. I don't think we we really know yet. And you know, Fox had to, had to sell a lot of their regional sports networks and, and haven't yet. And there's, there's still a lot of kind of wrangling about who's going to get involved. Like we heard ice cube was potentially yeah, that was <laughs> looking amazing. into it. That would be amazing. Yeah. Ice cube buying FSD and controlling the broadcast would, would just be stellar, but um, it would, it would be so hilariously opposed to the usual kind of like, we're aiming this at 60 year old, 60 year old kind of tiger fans who grew up in the era and, you know, in the area and, and we're around for the 68 team. Like that, that's kind of their wheelhouse. And it would, it would be, uh, it would be interesting to see someone like ice cube. Yes. Get involved. Or, um, I'm a big fan of ice cube anyways. Always, Amazing. always been entertaining. Um, <laughs> so yeah, who knows? I don't know what, I don't know what FSD is going to be up to. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I think that, that kind of wraps it up. I mean, there isn't a whole ton else to, to talk about. Um, you know, there's some other things going on as far as um, the site and some some kind of things that have been going on with you in terms of getting published in a magazine the other day, I believe yes, it was. I have talk an about article that? in a magazine called Road Grays, um, and it comes out for general public sale later this month. Um, you can look them up at road Gray's mag on Twitter. Um, so I wrote about the experience of how kind of becoming a professional sports writer really changed how I interact with and appreciate the game. Yeah. Um, it looks pretty actually, good from the start. Yeah. I was, I was interested just from your, your setup of being in, in the press box. Sort yeah, of, it's, yeah. It was about my first press box experience in Tampa Bay. Um, and how, how different that was. And it's a beautiful magazine. I got my, I kickstarted it because I obviously wanted it to do well. Um, so I got a copy ahead of time and it's like this beautiful kind of compact magazine, um, really like collector level quality. And it's like a beautiful, like, like matte finish cover and it's really really nice um so you can look them up on ye old um twitter and they'll have a store online so you can actually order that and, and then keenan looking... hmm? keenan yeah, yeah. Keenan had, had one, one in there, there too. too yeah where That's he cool. kind of interviewed um minor league staff on how the day-to-day operations of um working for and in a minor league franchise um work it's funny to me because this is such an Ashley moment for for all the rest of us at the staff. Like me and Rob, we're like, you know, we, you know, Ashley is obviously like on a daily basis, like maybe published a book that day and maybe <laughs> maybe wrote a bunch of things about the Cubs or the Rays, and then came back over and wrote something for us. And then it's like, oh, look, I'm in this magazine that I, I've never mentioned to you guys. Like, <laughs> I mentioned, I just it. laugh. The ambition, I the ambition. The Kickstarter, but oh, yes. did you? I didn't even remember it. But yeah, the ambition is amazing. I love it. 
I'm just always yeah. like, oh, that's cool. You know, and, fan, Fangraphs is hiring part-time contributors. I yeah. know, you, I know you saw that today. I yeah. did post about that. No, I will not be applying <laughs> for the Fangraphs role. But um, I would, I would like are... to write a little bit of freelance for Fangraphs. But yeah, I don't think a part-time contributor role there really suits me at this point in my life either. Yeah, I think my my problem with it is coming up with the ideas, um, and having such like a requirement for unique content um, for posts. Sometimes it helps at the beginning, you know, because you like take all the ideas that you had for the teams you do cover, and then you apply it to the whole wider league. But that only that only gets you a certain distance. Exactly. So I'm going to pimp my my own um, fundraising thing. Um, So if you're listening, I am in the process of launching a baseball YouTube channel. Um, sort of with the premise that it's like a beginner's guide to baseball. So I'll be talking about basic stats, um, certain kinds of plays, giving team histories, but I'll also be doing some fun stuff mixed in with that. Like I want to do an entire post where I just take a part of baseball and show people what's inside of baseball um, and answering any questions that people have about weird, archaic baseball rules and stuff like that. Um, But my mission is to put together something really polished and really good quality. And to do that, I need um, a little bit of help. getting some of the equipment that I need and I have a fundraiser going on gogetfunding.com. I didn't do GoFundMe because it's really hard to figure out running a campaign when you're in Canada. Um, and this one will actually like pay me right away, right out. So um, I have a $2,000 goal and right now I am at uh, 7%. I just kicked it off yesterday. So, I mean, it's pretty fresh. Um, but you can find the link on my Twitter page. It's my pinned tweet at 90 feet from home or it is literally go get funding and then help me launch my YouTube baseball channel all with dashes. <laughs> between the letters between the words um so that's the url there but you can find it pretty easily on my twitter page it's the first pinned tweet and if you are so inclined to donate to it that would mean the world to me i'm not leaving bless you boys i'll still be doing the weekly podcast with brandon and helping run things with brandon and rob and editing and writing and all that good stuff like brandon says i am apparently a psychotic person who can do a million things at one time um, but this is like, I'm so excited about this and I have, yeah, literally- a lot of the, a lot of the concepts you came up with, like right off the bat, I was like, Oh, that's a, that's a great idea. Cause there just isn't anything like that. I'm on YouTube all the time and there's some cool baseball content, but there's nothing like systematic. Like, you know, if you're new to the game, like this is what this meant. This is what an infield fly looks like. And this is the reasoning behind it. Like all those sorts of explainers sound pretty awesome. Yeah, and I, the idea is that I really want to make baseball accessible to everybody. It's a really kind of complicated game with lots of minutia in it. And I, I actually ultimately want to write a book that's a beginner's guide to baseball. And I figure doing this YouTube channel will give me an excuse to do all the individual research for those kind of pieces of the book. So I'll be working on both simultaneously. But yeah, I am very excited. And I'm going to be doing it regardless of whether or not the funding goal gets hit. It's just if I get the money ahead of time, I can start it so much sooner um, as opposed to having to find two grand to buy myself a new <laughs> new fancy 4K camera and a lighting setup and editing software. A buddy of mine who was in a band has volunteered to do the uh, the intro and outro music for me. So I'm oh, pretty sweet. excited about that. Um, yeah, I'm really, really looking forward to it. I think it'll be fun. And you may see the the, you know, the posts show up. We might cross post a couple of them on Bless You Boys to lure you guys in. Yeah, we'll prom- yeah. we'll definitely promote that. Yeah, that sounds like a great idea. So, yeah, love it. Um, so, yeah, if you can help um, Ashley out, like even, you know, th- these things, like sometimes you 
think to yourself, like, eh, if I'm just giving a little bit of money, like, what is that really going to do? But, um, Honestly, but there's like, enough reach that if everybody gave, yeah. you know, a bunch of people gives five dollars, you know, it, that's well, that plenty. Was, that's- that was a hundred percent my logic. I'm like, if two hundred people gave me ten dollars each, I'd be done. Yep. If four hundred people give me five dollars each, I'm done. And did I that, give I, you five dollars yet? You no, have not, not given me. You have not, not donated. donated. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll, um, uh, we'll remedy that though. My ex-boyfriend was the first person to donate, which oh, almost made not, me cry. Oh, that's super nice. I thought that was the sweetest thing. Um, so, yeah, it's. It, I'm really excited about it. And if you want to get thanked, please just say so when you give me backing. I know some people have done it anonymously, um, so I don't want to, like, drag them out. I know who donates. Um, but, yeah, it would, it would really mean the world to me. So thank you. Awesome. And then I'll just I'll finish with our, our usual pitch that if you head over to patreon.com backslash bless you boys, uh, you can become a Patreon subscriber of bless you boys over there. Um, I'm not going to snow you too much about like how much content, extra content we're going to be able to produce because we're already um, working our little butts off considering, you know, that everyone has a full-time job. Um, we we kind of overpromised. I felt like a little <laughs> bit last year about how many extras we were going to be able to I feature we'll, over there, but we'll we will continue. Exactly. And we, and we'll at least have some things for you over there. But, um, but basically like, I'll just keep it simple. If you like the site, um, if you appreciate what we do over there, if you could even, you know, just become a member for a dollar a month or $3 a month, um, that would all really help us. And, um, and also hopefully, um, put together some prizes. Um, that was kind of like the hope for it was that we'd be able to run some contests, um, based on some of that funding if we got enough. Um, and we had, um, some nice reaction from people last year and I really appreciate that. And if anybody, you know, is down for it and you guys are, you know, regular readers of Bless You Boys and and can can throw a little bit our way that would be awesome as well yeah, um and that. that's yeah and that's about it so we will see you um probably next week um and i don't know that's about it anything else no i think we're gonna try to get back into the once a week thing we took yeah. a bit of a break over the holidays and i think uh, both brandon and i kind of missed doing this on the regular yeah um, i've got a few people i want to interview beyond the um what would we call dan dickerson at this point he's like our elusive special um, guest our white whale be- we're gonna get him. I promise you. Yeah, we'll get him. Um, I mean, I know he's interested. He's he just been busy. I know there was a lot of kind of stuff going on with the broadcasters. Like we couldn't um, couldn't really reach out to Dan Hasty, um, who's the broadcaster for the Whitecaps. There was there was just a lot kind of going on there where people kind of had to lay low and sort of see how things played out. Um, so hopefully we can talk to some of those people. I'd like to get back with um, David Lorello, who writes for Fangraphs, um, who's a Tigers fan, but. Um, wrote just a hell of a series of articles like once a week or more um, on interviews that he'd done with pitches, pitchers, pitching coaches and managers um, around the league all about pitching and, and strategy in the game and got really into detail um, on those and he's a Tigers fan as well so maybe we can get him um, back as well so there, yeah there's some people like that that we will talk to um, as far as like prospects and farm stuff we're probably more or less going to let Keenan kind of kind of do his thing over there. Um, and, you know, we'll still have our guests like Emily Walden and, and maybe bring over some of the SRD boys if one of us is busy um, or something like that. But for now, yeah, that's kind of the plan. Um, we're a month out from spring training. Um, it's about to get really chilly in the Midwest, so everybody <laughs> bunker down, find something uh, good Stay to read. and listen to a podcast. Yep, exactly. Yep, and um, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks a lot. Everybody have a good night. <laughs>